Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 134 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I'm in the process of ramping up promotions for my event, the Evolve Strength Business and Coaching Conference, which will be October 13th and 14th in Edmonton. And early bird price ends at the end of July. So if this is something you guys have been thinking about, you can shoot me a message. I'll happily send you more information. And I've got a pretty incredible lineup. And one of my speakers, who I'm bringing back from our 2019 event, is my good friend, Lee Boyce out of Toronto. Lee, it's great to have you back, buddy. Of course, always. I can't even think of how many times I've been on here, but uh, it's always a pleasure. I think you're probably creeping up on Brian Cron's record. If, if I remember correctly, Brian, I think, has had the most appearances. And Brian is also part of our lineup as well. And actually, well, I'll just run through the lineup because... I'm just doing it off the top of my head because I don't have it written down, but I think I'll get everybody. I've got Del uh, Dennis and Kelsey Heenan. I've got uh, Dean Somerset, who's obviously local. I'm in the lineup. You, Brian Cron, Muscle Doc Jordan Shallow, Don Saladino, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Um, we got Luca Hosevar. We've got Krista Scott Dixon of PN Fame. My friend Hannah Gray, who's local, who's been on before. My friend Logan Dubay. And I am, oh, God. Dr. Sam Spinelli, who is a, like a, an absolute legend as well. So it's a really cool lineup. Uh, hard to put that many, you know, figures of that that renowned in one place at one time, especially in a place like Edmonton. So guys, message me. We'll talk about it. But Lee, I brought you on because you and I, well, we talk a lot via, you know, texts and calls and what have you. And we were recently talking about, you know, you and I are both still full-time coaches on the gym floor, despite having online, despite being writers and, and public speakers. And we've witnessed in our industry, uh, it, it certainly seems like a lot of fitness professionals, they, they reach a certain point and then they want to pivot into mentorship or quote, business coaching for better or for worse. Uh, we definitely see a lot of trainers who more and more are even starting in the online space, staying there or certainly pivoting to online and the in one way, shape, or form, I think a lot of people see they want to get off the gym floor or they see it as a natural progression to get off the gym floor or they just they just don't want to work with a client one-on-one -on -one anymore because they won't want you know control over their schedule. And then we know that a lot of people actually end up leaving the industry, graduating out. And I choose that word deliberately because I, I think there are some people that don't see coaching the client one-on-one -on, -one on the floor as long-term, hey, I can like go into retirement doing this. And you and I think otherwise. So ultimately, I wanted to talk about that. So what do you think, you know, how do you think trainers can actually have a successful long-term career coaching in person? Let's let's look at that. And, and why would you actually argue that it's probably one of the best roads to go? Well, first of all, of course, it hones your craft and it keeps you abreast with your craft and all that. And if you're being a fitness expert, then you want to be practicing it. You want to be doing it. And I think that it's sort of, I don't know, it's a walk the talk kind of conversation. And it's a little bit disingenuous if you ask me if somebody has not trained an individual for like years and years, but they're still coaching coaches on how to do it. And it doesn't mean that they can't move from training into that full time. I get that. But if there's nothing to sort of keep you sharp with this sort of thing, then I think that that gives you a little bit of a handicap when it comes to uh, being a professional in this industry and and trying to lead the way or pave the way for others to do what you have done or what you're doing. Um, beyond that as well, I think that 
uh, it's probably an area that's berated a little bit because of possibly the amount of money that you could potentially earn when you're doing just in-person training and there's only one of you and there's only 24 hours in a day. And then there's the other factor that there's the burnout factor. So people are probably very hypersensitive toward the fact that, you know, if you're seeing nine, 10 clients a day and you're only making 20 or 25 or $30 an hour, or whatever it is working for a gym, that it's like you're, you're, you're slaving yourself here. And, you know, if you're, if you're doing this for yourself and you work for yourself, you have the chance to now customize your schedule a little bit more, um, choose your rates that you're going to be paid as well. And hopefully, if you play the game the proper way, maybe avoid burnout. You could give yourself a certain amount of time off, certain amount of days off, whatever it is that you need to do, or just limit yourself to certain hours. But in my opinion, I just don't think that there's anything that should be looked down the nose upon when it comes to making a full-time career out of, or making at least the majority of what you do, always involve training clients one-on-one right there on the gym floor. Um, in whatever setting that might be, whether you're working for yourself, whether you work for a gym or whatever. And, uh, you know, if you see X amount of clients per day and you're doing that, it's just weird that you don't see too many trainers who are, you know, 45, 50, 55, however old, approaching those kind of retirement ages or deep into their years of career, still actively doing that for most of the time. And I feel like that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be, uh, hmm. it's, it's underrated, that when you see that, I think that there should be more of that. So I think there's a few elements at play. And I think it's worth saying that generally speaking, the there's also probably the visibility of the people within our industry. And it's likely there's a strong correlation between the people who have established themselves with larger brands, larger followings as educators who have had the opportunities to quote, grow off of the gym floor full time. Now, there's still a lot of people we like and respect who still do some coaching and they're, or maybe they're like gym owners. So they're physically are running a gym and also teaching. But I know trainers here locally, uh, the old company I used to work for, there was a gentleman by the name of Brant Ramsey and Brant, <clears throat> if I understand correctly, recently retired. And he was always busy in person. He was a number one guy for sales. He had a very, very high hourly rate, but he was a number one guy for sales in the old company. Uh, him and Dean Somerset would jockey sometimes, but Brant usually was number one. Dean was usually busy with a variety of other stuff, although shockingly full-time in person. And Dean is not even that old, but he's been doing it a long time. But again, he's still full-time in-person trainer, yet doing lots of other stuff. There's another gentleman, uh, my friend Andy Sidor. Now, Andy, I think Andy's <clears throat> probably in his mid-50s now. And I pulled him out to evolve as an independent contractor. Again, same company for a long time. And he's very, very busy in person. And he's never had the desire to go build a, a big social media following or do any of the other trappings, the writing that you and I do. But he's there serving the person in front of him. Maybe another good example is our friend Chad Landers in, in LA. I mean, he's a gym owner, private boutique owner. But Chad's first passion is the client in front of him. And he's still very much, you know, pretty full-time coach. Now, Chad's actually quite well-known and very well-respected within the community. I wouldn't argue that Chad, Chad has the biggest social media following in the history of our world, but he does very well for himself, former NSCA Personal Trainer of the Year Award winner. So, but I, I think that there can be a, sort of a, a selection bias towards the people that are more visible in our world, having the opportunities to kind of go past that. Or, But I also think that we're also sold this message that that's the evolution, that's what you're supposed to do. I think it's sort of a status-based thing. 
when I think there is tremendous amount of status, if you care about that thing, and humans do tend to see the world through status, in being a successful in-person trainer. There's another thing that I like to challenge. I think trainers get tired of constantly looking for clients, worried about where the next client's going to come from, which is both an emotional thing, but if we've been in this long enough, usually word of mouth, referrals, retention, that sort of stuff tends to take care of us pretty good. And I think trainers get worried about the sustainable you know, long-term income. And I think that the there's an illusion of stability in the nine to five job, right? Because you can lose that all in one shot. Whereas we, you and I have gone through cycles where we've been busier or not as busy. And what happens? We, we have an opportunity to notice the trend line. And then we can start changing our behavior, having conversation with clients about referral business, take a good look at what we're doing. Are we getting complacent as we do all the other things? like our writing and our public speaking, are we getting complacent and in some way, shape or form dropping the ball a little bit on the way we're delivering service with our clientele? We can do a lot of things to control that. And anytime I've had one of those points, invariably it surges back up again, just through consistently over the years, doing the stuff I do and developing work, you know, referrals. So any, any thoughts to any of that? Yeah. Um, I, the last thing that you just said actually stood out because I was thinking about the slow period that I had earlier this year, the beginning of the year, uh, you know, just past New Year's, which is funny because most people think that'd be the busiest time. But anyway, um, just past New Year's, there was a period where it was pretty slow. And so it's like, okay, well, uh, what things am I not doing that I could benefit from, you know, increasing, the, you know, just increasing the amount of productivity on, you know, I've been writing less, so that's not getting my stuff out as much. And that could translate itself into leads. Um, you know, online coaching, how much am I promoting that? Am I promoting that at all? Those kinds of things, right? And then, of course, you know, how many hours am I actually opening up for my availability for clients too? How about that, right? So uh, whereas one person might not have the ability to talk about how much they're writing, for example, or even if they might not be doing online coaching, like they can still start looking at things like avail availability per hour or per, per day for clients and um, just opening up the possibility for referrals to even come in or for more chances for people to even get into your schedule. So it's a it's a little bit of a it's a it's a loaded topic. And of course, everybody's circumstance is going to be unique to them. But I do think that if you want to do in-person training and be successful at it and stay busy with it, then it takes a lot of your own footwork and you can't sort of take your foot off the gas pedal if you want to promote that um you want to promote that consistent or stable income that you're looking for, some kind of uh, equilibrium where you don't have major falling off a cliff for one month and then you can't make your bills. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. And no matter what, and I've said this at my talks, you were at the Raise the Bar conference where I said that this is always going to be a hustle game and this is there's no way around it if this is the industry that you've selected no matter what you do as well, like even if you are in the social media side of it or whatever, it's going to be a bit of a hustle game for sure. And uh, you will never know exactly what you're going to earn for however much like going forward, because it's not a salaried position like that. Right. Like, so that's one thing to remember. Life's a hustle game. Any career and job is a hustle game. You still have to put in the work. If you are not willing to do the work, then you are at risk of losing your, your job. I mean, any business owner, and there's a lot of pros that come with owning your own business, a lot of cons too. Um, you know, 
I think in our world, we actually have tremendous upside. I'm able, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm able to earn significantly more than I could for most, you know, secure 40 hour a week type jobs, right? I, I benefit from that upside. Now, I'm not your average personal trainer in terms of bandwidth to work. I do a lot of sessions. I do a lot of stuff. And that, of course, comes at a cost. But, you know, there is tremendous upside. And if you really work hard at it for a sustained period of time, and if you are focused on being of service to the client in front of you, I really think that, A, a lot of those clients are just going to stick around. And two, they're going to generate a referral business. And I think as long as you don't completely drop the ball and you keep the service up, I think you can actually sustain a business that is still more lucrative and more secure than you realize than the illusion presented by the proverbial 40-hour you know, salaried or, or wage-based job. And we have seen where someone can go from that salary-based job to nothing very quickly because corporate layoffs through no fault of their own or something's happened. Listen, I have dealt with some ridiculous bullshit in companies I've worked for before. Harassment by other staff to where like I was threatened with losing my job through no fault of my own. And ultimately just like, okay, I need to get out of this situation. And that stuff can happen. So for me, I think that our, our career is actually shockingly secure. And it's not like we have a unique and much, much higher level of upkeep and effort than all these other careers. You still have to do the work. So I'm willing to do the work and enjoy the upside. And it, this concept is really well fleshed out in Nassim Nicholas Taleb's book, Anti-Fragile, if anybody really wants to go deep on this whole thing. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Like as far as the security goes, like it's it's kind of what you make of it, right? It, it does come down to just how much you're willing to put into it. And that goes for pretty much anything, right? Even we tell our clients in terms of the results that we're going for, can our results be sustainable? Well, yeah, it depends on what you put into it. Can my results be uh, during this period of time or in this time window? Well, yeah, it kind of depends on what you results, what you put into it. So if I launched a product and I blasted it off on social media or whatever, and it had this big spike in terms of the attention that it gets, but it's a very trendy product and it's something that by the end of next year is going to be obsolete, then I'll be rich for a second and then I'm going to be completely flatlining after that, right? Whereas if you launch an evergreen product, something like, you know, strength training for all body types, for example, just throwing that in there. Your you book, know, right? Yeah, you got a, you, you published a book. Exactly. Right. And so like something like that, where it's like, okay, you might not see a huge blast off in terms of the sales right away a second that it comes out. But you know what? In five years, it'll still be relevant. Ten years, it'll still be relevant. Those things, we're talking about the laws of the universe. We're talking about physics in this book. So I mean, it's never going to go out of style or be something that's not trendy or anything like that. It'll always be relevant. And uh, that's the way to do it in terms of making, uh, you know, just making a career for yourself that lasts the test of time. So, you know, bringing that back to personal training, though, yeah, referrals, making sure you have a good network, making sure you have a lot of uh, contacts as well so that you have different recovery plans, if that is even where it needs to go sometimes. Like you have different options available to you when you have you know, people who can refer for you, people who have your back, people who uh, want to train with you, all kinds of stuff like that. I think that, that goes a long way. And the personal training, like just being able to practice the craft of personal training, first and foremost, you still continue to do that. And uh, there's absolutely no shame or nothing underrated about doing that. It's to me, it's the bread and butter. And I wouldn't be doing all the other stuff that I do if I wasn't a good and experienced trainer. That's where it all came from. And so that's why I have such allegiance to continuing to do that 
you know, I, I want to be a trainer in the gym floor somewhere or on a gym floor somewhere when I'm 10 years from now, 46, 55, like whatever it is. I, I want to retire out as a trainer. I don't want to retire out as some other kind of guy, whatever it is. Like I want to retire out as a trainer. And so that's what my plan is. Um, and the other stuff is sort of a la carte. It's part of the package, but it's not what I do. What I do People say, oh, you're a professor. My mom the other day said, yeah, you're a professor. It's like, no, I'm a trainer and I teach, right? So it's like, that's what I do. So I just, I like to make that distinction and say that stuff because uh, sometimes people think that it should go a different way or that it's uh, some kind of evolution that needs to happen or whatever. And it's like, not necessarily, like I'm not going to sugarcoat what it is that I do and where all of my accolades or skills or, or uh whatever all my flowers have come from that's the root of it and i want to keep that this i think another element to this too I mean, social media is more and more a part of our world all the time <clears throat> i mean and i talk about social media brand in you know talks and i a i do try to get trainers <clears throat> i talk about this a lot to get off of status seeking behavior right because if you get caught up in the desire for status and you get caught up in the performative nature of one-upmanship that we can sometimes see within social media, which sometimes is living in your brain, then you can become dissatisfied with the experience of coaching that person in front of you. The person in front of you is the best feeling that you're ever going to get when you see them thrive, when they're healthier, when you get to see them do a personal best. This stuff is magic. It's why people like Luca, Luca Hosevar, who's also my event. <clears throat> Luca owns a gym. Luca is a very sought after public speaker. He's got a book on the way. Luca has tons of opportunity coming out from everywhere. And Luca still stays in touch with what he does. He still coaches some, some teams and some group classes within his business. Now, I also think that anybody who's a gym owner who's still operating their gym is still, they're still on the gym floor. You look at someone like Pete Dupuis, right? The, the people who I consider to be the smartest, most, the business mentors I respect the most usually are still working in their business. P2P is still running Cressy Sports Performance. Mark Fisher still owns and operates Mark Fisher Fitness. And there's a lot of people on that list. Uh, and, and, you know, Luca is obviously forefront in that. You get uh, Rachel and Alan Cosgrove still have results, their gym, even though they also mentor people and been doing so for a very long time. So, yeah. And, and I think there is, you know, we can expand that list because we were talking way, you know, off air a few days ago about this. We're trying to think of other people. Joe DeFranco, right? Educator, obviously gym owner. He still coaches people, right? Now, sometimes you get people yeah. like your Don Saladinos and your Joes who end up with, you know, celebrity clients and then they tend to work with a much smaller number of people because the other things have grown, opportunities have grown. And that's fine. I think they're also in unique positions and that I, I want to get coaches to realize, okay, this is probably not the path for everybody. Now, back to social media. It's easier now to get really clever with the way that you put together video reels, be entertaining. And I've, I've seen some people grow followings very rapidly, like more rapidly than I've ever seen before. And in some cases, I think they're coaches who are already really sound with what they were doing. But I've also seen people who maybe do a little bit of online coaching, uh, maybe a little bit of physique com com competition, and not to disparage those people for being social media savvy, but there's this thought that these people are doing really, really well financially, thriving with a lot of clients. And that's not the reality for most of these people. 
And there are a lot of people who are going to let you think that they're doing a lot better than they really are. I mean, I had a conversation with someone very, very powerful in our industry who's a good friend who was telling me that, well, he knows that there are a lot of people in the business mentorship space who are nowhere near doing as well right now. Like, I think it's a tough time in the industry, the way that the economy is, inflation, you name it. And I, mean, I, I know a lot of coaches who they're asking me questions and going, hey, you know, like what's going on? You know, things aren't as good. Even I, like our last uh, forever strength intake was down compared to previous ones. And I was feeling a little discouraged about that, to be honest. And I share that. I think we're afraid to show vulnerability. I think we're afraid to show where things aren't going as well. And for just getting published on Arnold Schwarzenegger's new newsletter. Cool, nice look at accomplishment. Doesn't do anything to drive business. Cool. Um, just recently got a new publication with Kabuki Strength. I'm very proud of that resource. It's free for coaches. It's about cross-education, training with an injured limb. Guys, if you want that, message me. I'll literally send it to you. It's amazing. It's literally the fundamental, like foundational piece, best educational resource on that topic that exists anywhere. Those things are fun, but you know, you you kind of feel a little bit crushed when something doesn't go, a launch doesn't go as well. But guess what? That happens to us, the people that you probably think, well, like everything you touch turns to gold. And I've had times where I felt like everything I've touched turns to gold. But guess what? It doesn't always feel that way. And like you and I talked about, we have our ebbs and flows and how busy we feel with our in-person stuff. And sometimes in the 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 lower points, you start to get a little bit stressed out and worried. Now I've learned to trust it over time. But yeah, there's a lot of people out there who are making a much bigger show of how well they're doing. And if you are comparing yourself and feeling like, well, I'm struggling, you know, these people, big social media following are doing great or crushing it. Chances are there's some performance and there's some glossing over They're They're not doing as well. Okay. So don't be fooled, please. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. First of all, and uh, people like to lie on social media for sure. Um, so it doesn't mean that that speaks forever. I'm pretty sure that most of the people that I try to keep around as far as my, my, my friends go and my contacts go are people who don't do that stuff uh, or who mostly don't do that stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah. in the big picture, absolutely, especially when you start seeing to the lay person, for example, oh, this person has a verified badge or this person has uh, a whole bunch of glossy images on their social or they have 1.5 million people on their social or whatever it is. They think that, oh, well, they must be, you know, rich and famous and just like the biggest deal that there is and the bee's knees when it comes to training stuff. And uh, they got a great body as well. So there you go. Right. And so all of that sort of fits this 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 idea or this narrative that they're doing so well and that they're the people that you should go after. Right. And when in truth, what you were talking about, about being vulnerable or showing that vulnerability in order to uh, bring bring people back to earth or back to reality about the fact that there are ebbs and flows, as you say, um, crests and troughs when it comes to uh, business as a personal trainer, as there will always be. Um, it's something that, again, I try to be as straightforward with in, in telling people, whether it's in a speaking event or whether it's in something else like, yeah, like if you if you get a big opportunity, it's great. But oftentimes that one opportunity is not what leads to a whole slew of leads. And even if it does, sometimes that dies off too, right? Maybe you did get published somewhere that led to like, oh, you got 500 new follows from it or whatever it is. And it's great. But 
then it dies off. And then the next month you get none. And so you think that there's a trajectory or something that's going to be linear that happens once you've gotten some big thing. And it's like, it's not how it works. And uh, it's not even how it works. I'm sure if you're a, if you're a, a celebrity in, in movies and stuff like that, like it's just, it's constant hard work. It's constantly trying to stay consistent, stay relevant because there is an aspect of that to it as well. Making sure that you're showing your face, making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and being good at what you do with the small jobs with the big jobs, whatever it is. And uh, at the end of the day, that's going to result in more uh, respect, more attention, and uh, hopefully more leads and referrals and people trusting in your stuff. And that's what it comes down to. Do you think there's any trends? I mean, predictions are very hard to make, but do you feel like there are any trends that we're going to be facing that will be, beneficial like tra trainers need to understand get behind so that way it, it keeps them on the gym floor any trends that they need to be alert to that pose a challenge to being the in-person trainer i mean the first thing that comes to mind right now is the whole chat gpt thing i mean I, i'm not any i don't know much about that that uh you know platform or that operating system whatever you want to call it but uh, I do know that if you got something that's so artificially intelligent that now you could write up papers and you could do stuff and we have to watch out for it when we're uh, at the college there uh, with regards to papers that are submitted and so on, then I could only imagine what the average person is going to start doing in terms of, okay, make me a program that's built around building muscle and this and that, and I have this shoulder injury and I have that. And so now it takes away the the the, the need for an online coach, for example, or something like that. Right. Or give me the technique that I need to have for a squat or for a deadlift or whatever. And chat GPT and spit it out. I'm imagining. Right. But um, it just shows that we now have to be the difference makers, even more so than before, to show why our service is so much more valuable, physically being there hands on and giving real time cues that are customized for the individual. Like that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. And I think that, you know, given it doesn't get banned anytime soon, that that, that sort of uh, AI programming is going to, uh, it's going to frustrate a lot of trainers' abilities to do their jobs. And so we have to get ahead of that before. I thought about this and I look at it this way. Like there's going to be an evolution. There's probably going to be a very, very rapid evolution about how this stuff is utilized. There will be people who will be really savvy about it. But we already have people in our industry who are building apps and they're incorporating elements of what we would call artificial intelligence, like it's it's precursor, what have you, right? AI gets thrown around as this nebulous, scary thing, but a lot of it's you know machine learning algorithms, et cetera. So you've got companies like Renaissance Periodization who've had their templates and now their app, they've got their hypertrophy app. Anything RP does is going to be good quality stuff. You got Greg Knuckles, Stronger by Science, you got Macro Factor, you've got Carbon, carbon diet app, Lane Norton stuff, like a lot of the, these on the nutrition side. And yet people still hire a one-on-one -on -one nutrition coach for the relationship. You can get very, very like app-based programs. And there are people leaning into that space, but then people are still hiring coaches for the relationship and the nuance. There may reach a point where <clears throat> AI gets good at mimicking or even theoretically better at the the emotional reactivity responsiveness to support someone. But the person on the other end is still going to have to value interacting with a the machine. There are lots of people that would rather live their lives in a virtual reality, online, virtual gaming stuff versus interact with people. That's already there. And yeah. here's my point. There are going to be a lot of people who will self-select 
to algorithms, <clears throat> apps, programs, templates, and machine interaction, computer interaction. There's going to be a subsection of our society. We're not even worried about those people. Those people are going to be drawn into all these things. And there's going to be a competition to see who does it the best. But then there's still yeah. going to be a lot of people who want the, the human relationship because a lot of my clients, not all, but a lot of my clients, one of their key goals <clears throat> is an appointment that keeps them accountable and the relationship and the experience, the human point of contact. My client, Larry, any of my retirees, this is big. It gets them out of the house. It's a conversation. One, one, of, one of the guys that's retired, he's an author, recently published. And we talk a lot about his writing projects. And because I have a lot of experience with writing, he's been very gracious in saying that I've had a tremendous amount of influence on the way he's approached his writing. Put me in the acknowledgments of the book. Cool. You, you know, AI computer is not going to be able to replicate that experience. Now, I think in a couple of generations, we may see a major shift. But I think for most personal trainers right now, it still comes back to the fundamental. It's just give a shit about the person in front of you. Make them everything. Make their experience yeah. accessible. Make, give, it, give them the best hour of their day where they're stressed out. Something that an algorithm can't replace. And so yeah. I, I do think that the people who are going to go for the machine-based stuff they're already there and they're looking for that stuff. And smart people like Mike Isertel and Nick Shaw and RP will give them something. For the rest of us, I think there's so much out there, so many people out there that want us and the human experience. Yeah, uh, there's a contingent of people who are not going to be able to pay, who aren't going to want to pay for a machine or a robot to come up with program or come up with the best advice for you for this or that and you know there's something to be said about the about the novelty of you know one of the things that uh, my sister asked me yesterday was uh, something along the lines of like well if you're a part of a when you were starting out and you were a part of a you know a 24 person training team you know how come you got regarded higher than the others why did you come out of it more with no more notoriety and how did you do this and that and i really didn't know how to answer the question because it was such a broad question you're basically saying well what made you better how were you so how did you get viewed as good doing this when i'm sure there are other good trainers doing it too and it's like well you can have you can have a person who does you know you choose any other craft choose an entertainment craft choose a singer you know there are lots of really really good singers but you know, what makes this singer, who's just as good as that singer, not get as much visibility as that other singer? Well, it could be anything. And many times it's some kind of an intangible. It's something that's not quantifiable that involves maybe things like your stage presence, let's say, or charisma or how you interview or whatever it is, right? Now, bringing that back to the, to the fitness side of things, my answer was, well, I gave a simple answer was, well, um, I think that the bottom line is that I'm a better communicator. And that was the first and probably the only thing that sort of like that, that I came up with at the time. And that's just to say that there are many intangible factors, that being one of them, that AI and chat GPT or whatever, they can't duplicate. They can't do. And in order for you to be successful doing this, it takes more than just being a theoretically knowledgeable trainer. Like, yeah, I know my stuff. Of course, I can go head to head with most people when it comes to talking about, you know, how 
to train people, right? But that's not it. It's, there's there's so many other factors that make a relationship because that's what this game is. It's about relationships. And there's so many other factors that make a relationship not just end after the 10th workout when you're done your package and you want to continue on because I'm getting results, but I'm also, I'm creating this fantastic relationship with this person. I'm learning things about, and this might sound a little bit, you know, out there, but I'm learning things about life by doing this stuff too. And we're both teaching each other something and we're both learning from each other. And it's just fostering a fantastic back and forth, a fantastic relationship between us. And, you know, whether it's learning about different contacts that we might have or learning about different networking opportunities or finding ways where we can help each other or, you know, maybe maybe that trainer does represent more than just a training session for the individual in terms of being able to take the foot off the gas pedal all day long, telling other people what they have to be doing. And now they're finally being able to just sit back and be instructed on what to do and how to do it right. Right. So there's a lot of just different factors there. And being able to wear the right hats for the right individuals as trainers goes a long way, too. So the better we can get at effectively communicating, the better that we can get at fostering relationships, the better we can get at finding common ground between very, very diverse groups of people. The better we can get at all that, the higher our retention rate is going to go and the more we're going to separate ourselves, A, from other trainers, but B, from the AI apps and the chat GPTs out there and so on that aren't capable of doing that sort of thing. So I think that part of it comes from doing it for long enough to be able to get used to being able to wear those different hats because if you're a fourth year trainer or a fifth year trainer, you just won't have those skills. It's no matter what you do, right? It's not like you're going to be born into being a prodigy at doing this. You might show some signs of, of promise, but it comes with practice. And so that's another reason why I think that getting old and being a trainer on the floor still, I could only imagine how much more I'll have to offer when I'm a 54-year-old trainer on the gym floor with clients versus being a 36-year-old trainer on the gym floor with clients. The same way that even at current day, comparing myself to when I was a 23-year-old trainer with an active roster of clients, like there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't do now that I did back then or what, how I wouldn't act now that I did back then and so on um, for better, for worse. Like it's just, it really, really makes a difference that experience. And so imagine what you could bring to the table, training clients well into your, you know, when you're a 35th year trainer, a 30th year trainer and so on. It, uh, it gives me a lot of respect. I've always, I've always uh, tried to learn the most from trainers who are significantly older than me all the time. And uh, I think that's served me well to this point in time. And for a while, I was the youngest person in the space, but no, no more. <laughs> and so still, like a lot of the trainers that I still look up to these days, um, they're still doing it. And that says something, too. So if I'm looking at older people, and now all these guys are 46, 50, 52, whatever, 54, and they're still doing the training, shows that my train of thought and all the things that I'm saying about the importance of training people for a long time, it uh, it's not just unfounded. There's no there, there's a reason why they're still doing that, and I continue to to follow their their uh, lead for for that reason. That makes me think of Tony Jettelcore right off the top. Right, Tony's a good example of someone who you know, great educator, great guy, still coaching very full time in person, thriving in it. I mentioned Chad Landers earlier and all the other names. I'm out of time. I got a client coming in the door. Lee, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, real quick shout out. So Lee and I are both speaking at uh, Campit Pro's global uh, conference and trade show that is in Toronto, August. The entire thing runs from the 16th to the 20th. 
but I'll, I have a full talk and three panels. You and I are on one of those together. Uh, everything I'm doing is on the 18th and 19th. Is that the same for you? Most everything, all your stuff. Uh, I can't remember the exact days, but I have two talks and I have uh, one with Melody Schoenfeld, one with myself, and then that panel as well. So I'm going to be on three different days of that week as well. So if you guys want to see us, come hang out. We'll be all over the that uh, for those at least those two days. Uh, we will be there. And then if you want more information about my event here in October 13th and 14th, where Lee is speaking and the other lineup I just shouted out, and I'm going to see if I can get more of those speakers on as guests in the next couple of months. Um, I would love to chat with you about that. Lee, where do people find you online? Uh, find me at uh, Coach Lee Boyce across the board, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't have TikTok. Don't think I'm going to get <laughs> Might do LinkedIn one of these days, but uh, those are the main places. And of course, my website, leadvoice.com, where you can find archives of all of the articles I've ever written and a whole bunch of other stuff, blog posts and all that stuff. So lots of good info. Great. Thanks for coming on again, brother. Everybody listening, go check out what Lee is doing and reach out to me if you're interested in any of the stuff we talked about. Share this with someone in your world that you believe it will help. And I'll talk to you guys next week.